And if today is anything like Valentine's Days in the past, over $1 billion has been spent on chocolate. That's a B, billion dollars on chocolate. 180 million cards will be exchanged. And 196 million roses have been sold. Can you believe those numbers? That's an average. So if this year's average, that's what... I, I still believe it. One, what does $1 billion of chocolate even look like? It's glorious, I'm sure, right? It's just $1 billion. All this is being done in the name of something called love. We love, we love. And so when we use this word love in the English language, it can refer to many different things. So we can make a statement like, I love my spouse. But we can also say, I love my pet. I love pizza. I love my uh, music, my skiing. I love my Seahawks, right? Okay. I love shopping. I love my iPhone. I love the ocean. I love my car. I love the University of Washington Huskies. We can use that kind of verbiage in this room and it's not sacrilegious. We can say, I love Coca-Cola. We can say, I love politics. No, no, we wouldn't say that, would we? No, no, we, that's wrong. Okay. You see, often when we talk about things that we love, we truly mean that we like them, not love them, right? Right? I mean, I, I like music. I might say I love music. It's something that I like, I enjoy. I love to travel, which means I greatly enjoy traveling. It's something that is, but in the English language, we use love to mean a multiplicity of things, right? We just kind of shove it in there, and it's supposed to bring meaning. So when it comes down to define, what, we have to really define what love is, okay? Now, a few years ago, there was a children's pastor, and as a part of a, a Valentine's event, this children's pastor had these kids describe and define what they thought love meant. And I want to read you some of these amazing quotes. Andrew, age five, when asked what love meant, said this, love is when, you, when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. Charity, age six, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them giving you any of theirs. Terry, age seven, said, love is what makes you smile when you're tired. Daniel, age seven, love is when my mom makes coffee for my dad and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure that it tastes okay. These kids... Emily, age eight, said, love is when you kiss all the time. And when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and to talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look really gross when they kiss. <laughs> Nikki, age seven, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Noel, age six, love is when you tell a guy that you like his shirt and then he wears it every day. <laughs> Sophie, age five, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. <laughs> I, like, I like that kind of love. That'd be good, the best piece of chicken. 
Chris, age seven, love is when mommy sees daddy smelly and sweaty and still says he's handsomer than a movie star. Rachel, age four, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day. And Rebecca, age eight, love is uh, when my grandmother got arthritis and she couldn't bend over to paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time. Even when his hands got arthritis too, that's love. I mean, these are cute definitions. They're, they're, they're very insightful too, aren't they? Out of the mouth of children. What does love mean? Those are some great definitions. Well, this morning, uh, my message is, is titled, What We Know About Love. What we know about love. And notice that there is an exclamation point up there. Punctuation can bring a lot of meaning to what we say. So if there was a question mark on there, you would be saying like, what do we know about love? But by putting an exclamation point there, we are saying, we're making a statement. It's a, it's a fact. We're not questioning. We are making a statement of truth this morning. What we know about love. Truth. This is what we know. And we're going to go down that road together today. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look at five distinct facts that we know about God's love as found in Scripture. Now, the reason we need to go to the Word of God is because it is our standard of truth. Amen? We have to have a standard. When you have someone who's doing a construction and they're building, they have to have the metrics. They have to have the rulers. They have to build things based on standard. If they don't, they're going to get all messed up. We recognize that the Bible is the standard for our life. And that's why we need to go to the Bible if we want to know the truth. Now, let me ask you, how many of you have ever received a a jury summons before? Raise your hand in the mail. Okay, now how many of you actually had to serve on a jury? Raise your hand. Anybody? A few of us? Okay. About 12 years ago, I received a jury summons in the mail. Um, and I was expecting, as usual, that I'd call in and they say, oh, well, thank you for being willing to serve, but you're not needed at this time. I was expecting that, but this time I had to actually go in and be a part of the jury pool. Now, that was a unique experience because I thought, okay, they're not going to want me. I'm a pastor. I'm pretty conservative. I mean, I'm probably the guy's going to get booted out the door, right? They loved me. The prosecution said, what do you do for a living? I'm a minister. Like, Ooh, she wrote this down. He, he wanted me on the jury based on this, this, what this case was. And so, anyway, I'll never forget being a civil servant, right, working in that, in that way. And I remember what instructions we received as the jury was. And we, we knew that the court expected the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth to be presented as evidence and testimony in this court case. And so I was very well aware of that. So this morning, we are going to look at the truth found in God's word as our standard. The truth is this, that we are created to know God and experience his amazing love. That is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In fact, we are incomplete. We are incomplete without his love. Maybe you've heard the term before that everyone has a God-shaped Have you heard that before? Everyone has a God-shaped hole in their life. 
And only his kind of love can fill that hole in our lives, that nothing else can fill that. We cannot find God types of love anywhere else except in him. And I know I'm preaching to the choir today for the most part, and the information that I'm sharing with you today, it might seem a review uh, to you personally, but it's important that we look at the foundation of love that our spiritual lives are built upon. If we desire to love others the way that God does, we need to be grounded in the facts. That makes sense? If we want to love others the way that God does, we have to be grounded in the facts. So we're going to take a few moments and we're going to look at what we know about God's love. Would you join me in prayer before we do? Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for this congregation who are both gathered in person and those who are joining us on the live stream today. Thank you, Jesus, that we can take a moment and we can say, Father, right now, there's nothing more important than hearing you speak into our lives. Because God, when you speak into our lives, we are changed. You are in the life-molding business. And God, we want to have this encounter with you today be a time where we are changed. God, we don't want to be the same at the end of hearing your word than the way we were before, God. Because we don't want to become complacent. We don't want to become just lazy. God, just going through life. God, we want to be uh, able to be molded and shaped by you, that our lives have meaning and purpose as your children, Father. And as we celebrate your love today, as we look at the foundation of your love, God, that will inspire us. That will motivate us, God. When we receive this wonderful love that you have given, God, we will want to let others know. We will look for opportunities to share your love. But God, we know that it is founded and it is grounded in you and the way you've revealed yourself through scripture and what we know as truth. So, Father, this morning, I thank you. Pray you'll give me the ability to share your heart and that, uh, God, that you'll have your will and have your way in our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if you want to follow along online, you can go to wfa.church. You can jump on the live stream, and then there's notes you can take there, or you can just take notes by as you're watching on the screen up here. Five things we're going to talk about. Five facts about God's love. And here's the first one. God loves me regardless of what I do. God loves me regardless of anything I do. God has a love for you and I, and it's called agape. Agape, that's a Hebrew word, agape, and it means unconditional, no strings attached. And unfortunately, there are people who have this misconception that says, I have to be a good person, or I have to become a good person in order for God to love me. They have that misconception. But the fact is, you do not have to be a good person for God to love you. He loves you, period. He loves you. He loves me. That's end of story. It doesn't matter what we do. And this is a difficult concept for people at times. Because as human beings, we tend tend to expect that there are to be conditions on everything. Everything is conditional, right? Right? We live in a world of terms and conditions. If this, then this. And unfortunately, sometimes we want to view God in that way. We want to uh, do that. We want to put stipulations on his love, that we have to earn his love or somehow find a way that we become, we become worthy enough to receive his love. But that's a misconception. God loves us. End of story. But, but Pastor Darth, uh, does, he can't love us all the same. Let's talk about that. It is true that everyone is equally loved by God. 
And none of us are loved any more or any less by him. Did you realize that God loves you and the criminal on death row equally? That God loves you and the atheist the same? How about that paradigm for a moment that speaks to God's amazing love? God doesn't divide his love up into portions. He's got a whole lot of love and portions for the good people. And he's got this little tiny itty bitty amount of love for the bad people. That's, that's not the way that God distributes his love. He lavishes his love on everyone. He loves us all the same. And this kind of love that we're talking about this morning can only come from God. We on ourselves cannot love this way in and of ourselves. Because we get into who's worthy, who is not. Who can I give the most portion to? Who can I give the littlest amount to? Only God has this kind of love. Ephesians 2.4, I want to read verse 4, and then I want to go to uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. I think it's going to be on the screen here. Verse 4 says, but God's mercy is great, and he loves us very much. Verse 8 and 9. I mean that you have been saved by grace through believing. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. It was not a result of your own efforts, so you cannot brag about it. I love the way that translation says that. This isn't anything that you've done. Nothing you can do. You can't brag about anything. It's all about he loves us very much, and he saved us. God loves us, and he comes into our lives, and he offers us, offers us mercy. Mercy being not getting what we deserve. We deserve death because of our sin, but God's mercy says, I will freely give it to you because even though you don't deserve it, I will make a way for you to have your sin taken care of. That's mercy. It's a gift from him, and it comes through the person of Jesus Christ. We cannot earn his forgiveness. There's nothing we can do to be good enough to get it. He offers it freely. Everyone loves free stuff, don't they? You just want, if they started offering free Valentine's Day mochas at Dutch Brothers, the line would be like 500 cars because it's free. What is God offering us? Mercy freely. You can't go to God and say, oh, God, you know, thank you. You know what? I, I want to repay you for this. I, I, I really want to, I want to, I want to give back to you because we can't pay God for his mercy. It's a free gift. And we just need to embrace that when we recognize how much he loves us today. There's nothing that we can do to get him to love us because he already does. We don't have to convince him. We don't have to try to sway him. He already loves us. That is a fact that God's love is unconditional and the world needs to hear about that love. Amen? Amen. Let's go to our fact number two. This is what we know about love. God loves me even if I don't love myself. He loves me even if I don't love myself. I did um, a message, a series of messages when I was a youth pastor. I, I did uh, probably close to 15 years of youth ministry serving as a youth pastor. And I, and I did a series of messages uh, called Extreme Makeover. And it was themed after, after a popular 
reality television show in the early 2000s called Extreme Makeover. Not Extreme Makeover Home Edition. I think that was even more popular, but this was called Extreme Makeover. And have you ever heard of that reality television show? Maybe a few of you? Well, if you haven't heard about it, let me me explain this to you. On this show, each episode contains uh, two candidates whose looks are changed in an effort to transform their lives and to make their dreams come true. And this is accomplished through the skills of doctors and plastic surgeons, eye surgeons, and cosmetic dentists, along with a talented team of hair and makeup artists and stylists and personal trainers. And at the end of the episode, these participants return to their family and friends to reveal their new look um, so that way they can see what, what happened because the, their family and friends were not able to see the incremental changes that took place over this amount of time. And so, so the whole thing was this, this outward look. The whole theme of the show was this extreme makeover and all these things were, would be done to make this person's dream come true. And I don't know how much reality is in reality TV, but the theme of this show taps into a very true reality, Okay. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, we are reminded that there are things that we would like to change about ourselves. Now, it could be something physical like this. You can look in the mirror and say, my hair is too gray. I want to do something about that. Or I've got more wrinkles than I used to. Or I need to get some of that whitening toothpaste or that stuff, those strips you can put in your mouth. And and like, you know, people talk funny for a while. Um, You can do those things to try to make the outward look different. That's, That's someone that they could do. All right? Um, and, and they like to change that. Or maybe you can look in the mirror and you can see a personality trait about yourself that you would like to see changed. Or, or maybe there could be um, something in your character that when you look in the mirror, mirror that you are faced with. And to be totally honest with you, there have been times where I've looked in the mirror and I, I just I was disappointed in myself because I had said things or done things that I, has not, I was not proud of. Maybe you've been there too. See, when you look in the mirror, you have to face yourself. Everything that you see in the mirror is a representation of who you are. I mean, it goes beyond the physical. But the good news for us is that God's love is not based upon whether we love ourselves or not. There was a youth pastor, his name was Mike Adkins, and he was counseling a student one time after a youth service. And he was trying to share about God's love to this this young girl. And she made this statement to him. She said, how can I believe in a God who loves me when I don't even love myself? A teenager. How can I believe in a God who loves me when I can't even love myself? Well, that youth pastor opened up Psalm 139, 13 through 16, and this is what he read to her. You made my whole being You formed me in my mother's body. I will praise you because you made me in an amazing, wonderful way. What you have done is wonderful. I know this very well. You saw my bones being formed as I took shape in my mother's body. When I was put together there, you saw my body as it was formed. All the days planned for me were written in your book before I was one day old. You understand that? God's days, our days, are planned and written in his book before we even have a day to celebrate our birth. He knows everything that's laid out for us. At the beginning of our existence, 
God was there. He created us. And his desire is that we would walk in love and devotion with him. That's what he wants. And he has a purpose and a plan for each of us. Jeremiah 29, 11, we've all probably recited that before. We know that that is his plan for us. So God simply has a message for us. It's both for us in this room. Again, many of us have no, no Jesus and we've accepted his love. But this is true for us just as it's true for those outside our four walls. Because we're looking at the foundation of the love that we profess and is this, his message is, if you have a hard time loving yourself, don't let that stop you from receiving my love. That's God's message. We believe in a God who loves us and loves others, despite our faults and failures. Amen? Is that truth? It's truth. Let's move on. Fact number three. Fact number three. God's love for me never changes. Someone say Amen. God's love for me never changes. That is very good news. But the, th the reality is, we can't always uh, say that about our earthly love, can we? God's love compared to our earthly love, and since it's Valentine's Day, um, let's use the example of relationships, okay? Maybe you've seen this cycle before. Someone is in love, then something happens, and they fall out of love. And then eventually they make amends and they fall back into love. And then something happens and then they fall back out of love. And it goes on and on and on. Have you guys seen those kind of relationships happen before? Not saying it's yours. No, no, it never happened to anybody in this room. But we see that because we're trying to compare God's love with earthly love. Now, a person could debate whether someone who goes through that cycle was really truly in love to begin with, but that's not the point. All right? That's not the point here. The perfect love of God cannot be compared to earthly relationships between two imperfect human beings. Our love can change. God's love will never change. Oh, okay. Is it true? Virgil believes it. Our earthly love can change. Remember we talked about it earlier because of the stipulations we want to put on it? I will love you if you do this. Or, or, and, and that's, but God has that agape love. No strings attached. Unconditional. Our earthly love can change. God's love never does. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will never fall out of love with us. That's good news. He is the constant. Even when our love falls short, because again, we're still humans. We, we, we want to love God with all that we have, but sometimes we, we, we fall and we fail in that. But you know what? God cheers us on. He says, I still love you. My love is abundant for you. My love for you will never change. Even if you're struggling, if you're discouraged, you just stay close to me. You walk as close as humanly possible with me, and you'll be okay. That's God's encouragement. He will never fall out of love for us. His love is not based on any conditions. His love is grounded in who we are. Every life is loved and cherished by him. And no matter what has happened in your past or currently happening in your life right now, 
His love will never change. His love will be the same tomorrow as it is today or 10 days from now or 10 years from now. It is constant. And that is the truth. God's love never changes. That's our fact for this morning. Okay, got it? Let's move on to number four. Number four. This is also something we know about love. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can ever separate me from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. Now, when we look at the word separate, as it's, it's in that sentence there, separate defined is kept apart. Kept apart. Now, I did a little study with this, and I wanted to look beyond just the definition of separate. I wanted to look up some synonyms, specifically verbs, okay, used to describe separate. And so some of the synonyms, these active verbs that, that came up with this was disconnected, disjoined, detach, unravel, remove. And I love to think of this way. Nothing can disconnect me from God's love. Nothing can disjoin or detach me from his love. Nothing can unravel me. Even when I feel unraveled in myself, nothing can unravel me from God's love. Nothing can remove me from his love. I love those, those synonyms, those action thoughts. When you think about the word separate, to keep apart. And all of us have experienced separation before in some fashion or form. Hello, COVID-19. Separation. We've never experienced being kept apart like this before because of the pandemic. Or maybe your point of reference of separation is when you uh, sent your child off to college or maybe to boot camp. That's a different type of dynamic separation that you've had to process through. Or sometimes it could be the separation from a loved one who passes away. Seven years ago, my, my, best, my best friend passed away. It was my dad. So I am separated from my father right now. I'm separated from someone that I love. And I have wonderful memories. And I have the assurance of seeing him again in heaven one day. I have those things. But the fact of the matter is, is I am physically separated from my father. We are no longer together. Romans 8. I'm going to ask him to put this scripture up on the verse if you have it. You can. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says this. For I am convinced... That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing will ever separate us from his love. We will always be loved by God. We can understand that in this room. I believe I'm speaking to many people in this room who've already experienced the love of God and you responded to it. But just because you are loved by God doesn't mean that you need to accept it. There are people who are not part of the family of God who might hear about the love of God and they might say, well, that sounds really good, but they, they, they don't have to accept his love. It comes by 
the choice to whether embrace the love of God or to not. But even regardless of that, even if someone chooses not to accept the love of God that is offered, they will always still be loved by him. And he will always pursue them. And he will never give up on them. And his love will never change. And that's why we're the church. Some of you might have children raised in your home, raised in church, to know and to love God. But they're not following after him right now. God's love for them never changes. And he's in constant pursuit of them. You might have a coworker who you think there is no way on the earth this person would ever respond to God's love because I've seen them live their life in action and that's impossible. But guess what? God's love does. It breaks down walls like that. People go into hard situations and God breaks through. His love makes a way. But that's why we are called to be the church, to extend God's love, to be examples of his love. People need to know that his love is available and that nothing will ever separate us. We have that promise from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus. And that brings us to our fifth and final point this morning, our fact. Fact number five, God proved his love for me by sending his son Jesus to die for me. He proved his love by sending Jesus. Anyone can say that they love someone They can use those words, but actual love is proven by actions, isn't it? Don't tell me that you love me. What? Show me. Show me that you love me. And that's exactly what God did. John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He proved his love. In fact, we just sang a song this morning. I love the song that Tammy uh, taught us. It's the first time we've sung it here at Wenatchee First Assembly. But we declared these words this morning in worship. We said, From the heights of heaven, you stepped down to earth. Innocent perfection gave your life for us. And we are amazed. Yes, we stand in awe. For we have been changed by the power of the cross. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love. How great, how great, how great is your love for us. We declared that this morning, and it's more than a lyric to a song. It's the reality of a God who proved his love by sending his son. God showed his love for us, literally sending his son to earth in human form to die for us. And it was his choice. Jesus didn't have to do it. He was beaten and mocked and forced to carry his own cross, and they laid Jesus on the cross and nailed him to it. He was surrounded by angels and he could have called out at any moment to be rescued, but he didn't. The fact is that Jesus knew what was at stake in that moment and he chose us. Prove, prove in love. 
in that moment. He was held to the cross, not by nails, but by his love for us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love to us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we could have life through him. Because of what Jesus did on the cross to take away our sins, now we can have a personal relationship with him. He did not die to establish a a, a religious institution. We recognize that. He died so that we could have a relationship with the God who loves us. He has proven his love by sending his son Jesus to die in our place. In just a moment, I'm going to have you watch a short video clip with me. God has proven his love, and it's not just for those who attend church on Sundays. God has proven his love for all mankind. In the series we've been talking about, Love Does. We have the foundation of love before us. We can now recognize it. We know the facts about love. But what do we do with that love? Watch this short video clip with me, if you would, please. Love. 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 Love in this world is pretty messed up. It asks for a lot and it never returns the favor. Love in my world? Well, it brings more trouble than it's worth. In my world, love has felt like... Sabotage. It flees into the night. It it, it leaves at the first sign of trouble. And it never feels like, I love you no matter what. Because love in my world, it leaves. And when it leaves, there's only disaster left. Oh, it promises a lot, but it doesn't deliver much. It breaks hearts. I've picked up the pieces of my broken heart one too many times. So I build walls. Love isn't worth the tears. The pain, the loneliness. The surrender. It's exhausting. Even when you try to do love right, love fails. I have made a mess out of love. What good is it? You can't help me. Why love at all? Why do I even try to love? Why sacrifice to carry the burden? Why? 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 Because there is a perfect love. Perfect love that can end the disaster. A perfect love that can heal the brokenhearted. There is a love that saved those who are dwelling in this messed up world. God tells us about it because we wouldn't recognize it if it showed up on our own doorstep. It's a love that takes its time. It's profound. It doesn't brag or badmouth. God's love is like a shield that we know will never leave us. That you can trust. Hoping. And you never, ever exhaust it. That's his kind of love. And it never fails. And while we were keeping records of wrongs and self-seeking and being unkind, he still died for us. How can I love like that? 
How can I love like that? How can I love like that? Because I am loved like that. I can love well, not because of me, but because he first loved me. How can we love like Jesus? How can we love like him? What's our response to this amazing love that we see on display? Well, if you haven't accepted it, accept it. And if you've accepted the love of God, then share it. He first loved us. We love him in return. And then we become conduits to those around us. Love does. And you see, there's many people who can do kind and loving things in the world that has nothing to do with the love of God. There's people in in Hollywood or who knows, just out there who, who can start feeding programs and do all these things in the name of their foundation and people will be fed and their stomachs will be full and that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that that person did that out of the love of God in their life. Every act of kindness that we do as believers, as children of God, every good work, every expression of love is done in the name of Jesus, making him the center of it all so that others will have the opportunity to know his love too. So when we say we want to be a part of something, packing friendships, we give, we donate, we, 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 we volunteer time, we do so in the name of Jesus because we know that children will be impacted. They won't be hungry over a weekend when they don't have food to eat. And that will nourish them physically. But we pray over these bags before they go and they're sent out that God would touch families spiritually as well that they would be nourished physically, but that God would reveal himself to these families. Every act of kindness, every good work, every expression of love done in the name of Jesus so that others will have the opportunity to know his love too. So this morning, I don't have a list, like a top 10 list of things I'm gonna ask you to do this week to go and, and express the love of God. I'm going to I'm just going to trust and know and believe that you can hear from the Holy Spirit today. So if you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I am believing that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to all of us. He's going to give us direction. He's going to empower us to be his witnesses, but only he knows how. And I don't want to stand in his way and try to tell you what you need to do. You can listen to God for yourself. And I don't even want to attempt to even give suggestions because I don't want to get in the Holy Spirit's way. Whatever it is that God is asking you to do, do it. Respond to the wonderful love of God and say, Father, I don't want to hold this to myself. I want others to know as well. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for the next moment, we're just going to pray, Holy Spirit, in this room, pray that you would speak, that you would direct, that you would guide. Help us to hear and to know what it is that we can do 
to be expressions of this amazing, miraculous love that is unconditional, no strings attached, that goes beyond our faults and our failures, a love that is everlasting, that it never changes. Holy Spirit of God, speak to us so that we can be conduits, carriers of your love. We are imperfect, but God, you can go beyond it all. And I pray you will take this offering of your people right now, of our hearts, of our minds, our spirits. We offer them up to you now. What would you have us do? What would you have us say? What actions can we take? Show us, God, how to extend this amazing love to the world around us who is hurting desperately. Holy Spirit, speak to us in this moment, we pray.